Hey, welcome to the Excellency Fiddlesticks podcast, episode number 33, second one of this year, 2014. Uh, before we get started, just again, another big shout out to anybody, who, and you know who you are, who have clicked through the Amazon uh, support site to help us out. How do you do that, you say? Well, you, you, Amazon, let's face it, Amazon has anything you could ever possibly want. And as a new feature, I'm going to start looking for things that Amazon has. Anything you want, music, movies, uh, lawn supplies, name it, Amazon has it. And everybody in the world has an Amazon account. So you're going to go there anyway, correct? Odds are at some point in the next month, week, whatever, you're going to go to Amazon.com and buy something. So why not, before you do that, go to my site, jtbishop.blogspot.com, find the Amazon banner, click that, and then it's as if nothing ever happened. You go buy everything you want, but when you do, the show gets a little bit of that a little, uh, little love, a couple of shekels, whatever. Keeps everybody happy. I'm not going to say it keeps the lights on here, because I, I think I have the, the means to pay my electric bills. But it supports the show. You're telling me, hey, I like your show. I'm supporting your show. So here's a couple of pennies when I bought an MP3 from Amazon. Go for it. And this month, they've got another great selection of $5 MP3 albums, which is a great thing. You know, getting an album now for $5, a digital version of an album, is less than I paid for the same album on vinyl in 1979. You know, I think album prices back in 79 were probably 8 9 bucks maybe for a 12-inch LP. You get the same thing now digitally for $5? How is that possible? How is that even possible? I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And you should do it too. So go to Amazon.com. Enjoy it. Uh, this show, this this is uh, started a pretty depressing show, I think, uh, kind of. I've been, it's been kind of a weird... You know, 2014 is only about six weeks old, and it's been sort of depressing already. Between the combination of the the winter weather, uh, let's tell you, I live in the Northeast. The weather has been just brutally cold this year, and we keep getting hit with you know multiple snowstorms. And if you snow used to be fun when I was a kid, you know, I think when your kids snow, yay, yay, snow. They canceled school, and the only thing in your mind was, I'm going to go out there and spend as much time as possible doing fun things with them. I'm going to make snowballs and throw them at people and throw them at cars. I'm going to go sleigh riding down hills. I'm going to build snowmen, snow forts, whatever. Everything involves some kind of fun. I'm going to go outside and go ice skating. Now, it's just a big, huge burden. Now snow is, now I got all this snow. I got to remove it all. I got to move all this crap around. I got to shovel out the driveway. My snowblower broke this year, so I've been doing everything by hand, and it's been a, while it's a good workout, it's it's good cardio, and it builds up good muscle, it's still a humongous pain in the ass. So we've got that going for you. Even when it wasn't snowing, we had hit with this, this polar vortex crap, which means the, you know, we had nights that were literally below zero, which doesn't happen a lot here, and when it does, I, I sympathize with you people who live in, like, Canada and Minnesota and whatnot. Uh, to me, that weather's not suited for human beings. Human beings are not meant to live in those conditions, and I've been bitching about that the whole time. And couple that with the other thing that, uh, as you're going to hear during the show, this is the year, that 2014 is the year I, I turned 50 years old, which is just monumentally depressing. I know, I know an age is a number. And you're as old as you feel, and I know deep down in my heart all that's true, but I'm still obsessing over the number, whether rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly, but I could be an asshole that way. So hopefully you'll get something good out of the show. It's not completely depressing all, all the way through. There's a couple things, I think, um, a couple interesting stories I, I've come across, which I had, I had a good take on, and a new feature, um, which is always good. You know, we've done features, we've made fun of old people, we've made fun of other things. Here we're trying to find some common targets we can all we can all rise up against and, and make fun of together. So uh, enjoy the show, uh, enjoy the party shot, and for God's sakes, click on Amazon, will you? Thanks very much.
So anyway, uh, I've been pretty depressed lately. Eh, not depressed, but this... Well, let's back it up. This is the year, and it's already happening to a few friends of mine. This is the year where I turn a big milestone. This is the year where I turn 50 years old. 50... That just seems so impossible and so not even in the realm of, of believability for me. Because I've always... Well, when you're... you're uh, Essentially, a grown man-child like me, you aging is not something you look forward to. I think I'm not looking forward to it at all. I've not looked forward to it since I. I mean, I was pissed off when I turned 22. So let's just put that in perspective. 50 to me is just is just ancient. And when you're you know when you're a kid, 30 is old. But 50 is Jesus Christ. 50 is is pretty old. And essentially, I think what's happening is that the realization is starting to settle in now that you know, barring a either an, a, an increase in technology or medicine, which you know, could happen, or a, a, an aversion to really rotten luck, i.e. not stepping in front of a bus or something, this is probably the start of the back nine for, for me. This is probably, um, I'm probably past the midway point and working my way down the mountain now to make more twisted bad aging metaphors. And that's pretty depressing. Because, uh, let's face it, I mean, you know, I'm closer to, going to be closer to 60 than I am to 30, which is just mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly, is that even a word, depressing. And I think this, because this is the year that that happens, you know, people have been talking to me about, oh, we should throw you a party, and I'm like, I don't want anything. I don't want to even acknowledge that the fucking day is happening. I want to sit in a room, in the dark, and maybe put on some, some Depeche Mode or Cure or something depressing with a bottle of my favorite liquor and just wallow, you know, in, in self-pitying bullshit. Um, the less acknowledgement of the day, the better for me. Which is probably a really immature attitude to have, and I'm not, I'm not denying that. Uh, I, I don't know. It just seems to me that it's not something I really want to wallow in, acknowledge, celebrate, certainly, and, uh, and, and deal with. It's just, and it's starting. I think, like I said, because this is the year it's happening. Since January first this year, I've I've not been the happiest person in the world. Not been a lot of fun to be around, any more so than usual. You know, those who know me might say, "Well, John, you're the same fun-loving son of a bitch you've always been." Maybe, but uh, there's turmoil here, and I, and I don't really. I mean, at least every person in my house has been pissed off at me for one stretch between since January one, because I've either. You know, maybe overreacted to something or, or been a uh, been a shitty person somehow, and and I, I got to fight that. So acknowledging what's happening to me, and it, it is all about me because this. You know, look, if you don't think I'm a narcissist, I'm doing a fucking podcast. What does that tell you? That that I have things that I want people to hear. Hey, I must be heard. I am talking. You are listening, which is ridiculous. But I'm speaking into the, into the ether here about this. But it's just got to be something where I've got to start dealing with this effectively and hopefully seeing the the humor in it and making it entertaining because what's more entertaining than a potential uh, breakdown recorded live hopefully it won't come to that but you never know so you might as well stick around and keep listening because you know it could be entertaining entertaining radio video podcasting whatever so uh, appreciate you listening to my uh, my my crap for a while but let's um, let's try and deal with this together and, uh, and make it a good year and get on with the show Speaking of getting old, which apparently I can't stop talking about, uh, 
this would, like I said, if this is the midpoint or beyond the midpoint, actually, then I'm well overdue for my midlife crisis. And people who know me could probably argue that I've already exhibited various forms of the midlife midlife crisis. For instance, right now, I am uh, for about the third time in the last three years experimenting with facial hair, and it doesn't go over well. I think people are kind about it. Um, they're kind maybe with their indifference. A few people have said nice things about it once it fully comes in, but the transitionary phase, and for me, which takes forever, from zero to whatever I decide is the end point of it, can get a little messy, a little ugly, not maybe pleasant. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of people around me are like, oh, you're doing that again. That's that's yeah, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, like, you know, and if I, the way I look at it, if this is the worst form that my midlife crisis takes, then everybody else, you're coming out way ahead because it, it doesn't impact anybody else. It, it's all on me. It makes me look a certain way. And if I look like an asshole, that's my problem. Uh, I, I, I could have taken various other forms of the midlife crisis. I didn't. I didn't, for instance, I didn't get a, which would probably be immediately regretted bad tattoo and or piercing. You know, that would be really regretful and sort of pathetic i think once you hit a certain age you should really be be barred from um getting your first tat or piercing i think i think once you once you hit past once you pass 30 unless you suddenly decide to join the service or something and you, you're on a, like a naval barge or something you're at sea for six months or something the, the, much like the tattoo artists is, and the piercing people are not allowed to uh, operate on people who are obviously intoxicated. I think there's there's some sort of rule in place where, because you know a drunken tattoo has got to be really regretted. The same thing should apply to somebody. Uh, they should say, you know, obviously uh, proof of age. Are, are you 18? Good. Are you 21? Whatever. Uh, are you are you 31? Yes. I'm sorry, sir. We can't serve you here. And and kindly send me on the way. You'd be doing me a huge favor. Another thing that would be doing me a favor, which they wouldn't do, is that I haven't decided to go for the midlife Harley. I can't really see myself on a bike anyway, but that's exactly the kind of thing. Not even just a Harley, or perhaps a uh, a sports car, which would be way out of character for someone like me to own. I, I, I don't. To me, I've never been a car guy. Cars have always been for me a way to, for me to get from point A to point B, and I didn't really really care how I look getting there. More, more a matter of efficient transportation as opposed to stylish transportation. So it'd be a lot of red flags going up if I were to suddenly um, be seen poking around the Harley dealership. And again, I don't think those dealerships, the salesman there, would be as, as inclined as the tattoo piercing guy uh, to say, "Hey, hey, whoa, settle down, sir. Maybe this isn't for you." I think he'd be like, "Sir, can you see yourself on this bike? I bet you can." The other form of midlife crisis, which which I think people should be happy that I haven't chosen, is the the ill-advised uh, extramarital affair with the with a young girl. Yeah, that would always go well. You know that hostess at, at Hooters was uh, or Chili's or whatever Applebee's. She was cute. Yeah, she was a twenty-seven year old, uh, you know, single mother of three. And I said, hey, you know, let's 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 get the fling. That would be so pathetic. And as I've indicated several times before on several previous shows, I have zero game. Having been out of the dating dating game for so long, it would be pathetic. Um, so again, if if the beard is the only manifesta- manifestation of the midlife crisis, then I think everybody uh, we're doing okay. But speaking of having having no game, now I would say I have no game that I, I'm not. I, I don't have any plans to get back into the dating pool. It's not something I, I would even ex- establish. Once in a while, it's fun to speculate. Can you see like, well, what, what would it be like today? Blah blah blah. And I've talked about it on the show before. But one thing I've never done, 
and I've never done it. I've never stepped out on my wife. I've been married for quite some time now. Um, sometimes happier than others. Like most marriages, you get a long time. Things, you know, you kind of. It's a long. It's a journey. It's not. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, and and we're in for the long haul. And stepping out would be. I, I don't have any respect for people who do that because it's pretty clear. You you make a promise to that person. If even if you're you're not in a church, no matter where you are, you look that one person in the eye, and at some point during whatever flavor the ceremony takes, whether it's done by a you know a guy in an Elvis suit in Vegas or it's done by a priest in front of in front of seven hundred people, whomever, wherever, what sort of religious flavor or, or legality involved in it, at the core of it all, you make a promise to that one person that you're not gonna. You're not going to be that kind of asshole who steps out. That's pretty much what, you, what you've decided. That's You promise to the other person, it's you, and I know what I'm doing that, and it's you forever, till death do us part. Now, obviously, with the divorce rate, what it is, people don't always make it to death. Uh, but at least, you know, you try, and, and you, you know, your, your heart's in the right place when you start. But I think in this, I may have, a, I may have an out here as far as being able to um, do something extramaritally. And I'll tell you about it. There's a story that came out. Uh, I read it, I think, on Gawker. And this might be the one out I, I would get. I think my wife would go along with this. Um, let's rewind here. A a billionaire Hong Kong real estate developer. So this guy is a billionaire. He has recently uh, doubled what he calls is the marriage bounty. Okay, it's marriage bounty. For the man who successfully seduces... Okay, go on. And marries... Okay, his lesbian daughter. Okay, his daughter's a lesbian. Uh, the offer now stands at one hundred and twenty million dollars. So, let's rewind here. If I was able to successfully woo this woman, uh, her name is uh, her name is Gigi Chow, and she's quite fetching. I will say by looking at the picture. Uh, the man, by the way, is Cecil Chow. Uh, he originally ordered, offered uh, a $65 million reward after his daughter married her longtime girlfriend. Oh, that pissed him off. So he said, all right, $65 million to the guy who can swoop in here and turn this shit around and get me uh, a, a, a son-in-law who would then produce some grandkids, right? Well, I guess nobody was able to, to come through on the offer, so now it's $120 million. I think this would be the one thing. I think I, think I would have an out here. I think my wife would allow me this one. If I could somehow pocket the reward, because 120 million would would uh, it wouldn't solve every problem, but it would certainly go a long way toward addressing some immediate need, let's just say, and maybe some future need. Uh, the the daughter was surprisingly, um, you know, glib about this. She was like, "Hey, whatever." Uh, the first, by the way, the first offer went out. Twenty thousand people responded, but his daughter was unimpressed. Well. Because she's a lesbian, and obviously none of these guys were uh, were able to um, able to flip the switch on her. She did though. She said she was lucky to have such a loving daddy after the reward was announced, and that's that's very nice. You know, she she appreciates the effort, dad, but um, he she it's, it's no go. But so he upped the up he upped the offer, and he he says he says he quotes, "I only hope for her to have a good marriage and children as well as inherit my business." So this is a package deal. Not only you get the hundred twenty million up front. But you're going to marry an heir to this real estate billionaire fortune in Hong Kong. It's it's definitely uh, you're set up for life. Uh, Cecil apparently doesn't really have a, an appreciation of the irony of what he's asking for, because when he says he has no plans to interfere with her personal life, 
I guess not after this initial initial interference with her life by um, trying to flip the switch on her sexuality and, and get her set up with a man. I just think that uh, that the the lovely Gigi has been uh, not meeting the right people. I think you know she needs to find that guy. And this you may you may be listening to the guy right now. Hey, I don't think she's seen a guy quite like this. Guy pushing fifty with a goatee, huh? Ladies, who's with me? Who can make her uh, reevaluate her her predilection toward uh, toward the female? I think I can get her turned around. Because let's face it. I mean, everybody knows that the the preference you have sexually is, is a choice. It's a switch you have, and, and you you can make a conscious decision to flip it. I just don't think she's met the uh, the guy who can actually convince her to turn it around. Because I mean, you all remember the day you decided, right? But I mean, you remember? I mean, I remember my day—the day I decided that uh, as a young as a young man that I, I, I enjoyed um, that the, the women more than I enjoyed uh, being with the with with the penises. Uh, it was, it was. It reminded me. Like, you ever see those those ceremonies they do for um, high school kids who are going to commit to a college athletically, let's say, and they have a big they call it a signing ceremony. And there's parents around. And there's a, there's a little a little desk set up in a dais, and he pulls out the hat of the school he's going to go to, and he's going to spend the next four years. Of, I'm going to be a member of the Crimson Tide. And he puts the Alabama hat on, and everybody goes wild. We had a similar thing at my house. Uh, we sat there, and I had uh, on the table. I guess I had a a, a, a hat with uh, you know a, a, the male symbol on it. You know the little plus sign, and then the, the the arrow and the female symbol on it. And I put on the female hat. And um, I would say most of my most of my immediate family was was relieved and impressed. There were probably a few people who would who had hoped I would I would turn gay. But I decided, as most of us do, I made the, the conscious decision to um, to choose. Um, Choose the Vijayjay because uh, you know I don't, I don't regret that decision. I don't look back on it. You know it might have been a, a 60-40 choice at the time, but I think as time going on, I, I think I've made the right call. And hopefully, if the decision you made when you had to decide how you were going to be sexually, that you made the right call because you know sometimes it can backfire on you if you make the wrong one. So you got to make sure you do it right. Um, so I think this is one thing where uh, hopefully, if I can get a hold of of, of Gigi and uh, maybe work something out with her. From business perspective, she doesn't want to flip the lesbian switch. Hey, you want to bring the, your lesbian lover into the bed with us? Perfectly fine with me. I don't even care. Uh, for the $120 million. Um, we could have a little sham marriage, whatever. We could work out a business deal on the side. We could split the hun- we could split the $120. i will I'll walk away with $60. i will walk away with 50 Hell, I'll walk away with 10 We'll work something out. But Gigi, if you're listening, give me a call. I, w- I won't let you... Um, I won't kick your friend out. You can keep her, too. And let's uh, let's let's have business here. Let's talk turkey. So uh, I'm waiting. I'll be by the phone. You can reach me through the podcast. Thanks, Gigi. As most of you know, February is Black History Month. And it's if you have kids, it's sort of a good time. Even if you don't have kids, but it's a good time to sort of look back, reflect, and realize how far we've come as a country, and and uh, realize it wasn't that long ago when when the, the civil rights struggle happened. It's only been fifty odd years, which on, on a scale, you know, relatively, is not that long of a time. And it's especially important if you have kids. You can point out things to them. You can you can show them that they've they've sort of grown up in, in almost a post racial world. There's still a lot of problems out there. There's still a, 
if anything, having a black president in the last five years has shown some of that racism has bubbled to the surface. It's still out there in pockets, but I think it's a lot less than it used to be, and uh, that's a good thing. For instance, I was showing... Um, Going through the internet, you know, you look for stories to show, illustrate what it's like and how bad it's been um, throughout the years. And, uh, for instance, there was one, there was a a restaurant where um, this person, the owner who runs this uh, this place in Oklahoma, would uh, say he doesn't want to serve gay people, for one thing. He refuses to serve African Americans, Hispanics, Muslims, people with disabilities, or or people on welfare. This guy didn't didn't serve anybody. I mean, I can't imagine uh, a restaurant like that in operation today. Um, it just it just boggles the mind. I, I read the story. Wait a minute. I'm reading the story for. Um, wow, this is not a story from the '60s. This is a story from last week. So there's a guy in Oklahoma who owns a restaurant, and wow, um, he. Let's just quote the guy. He speaks for himself. I think I can spot a freak or a faggot he said, before declaring, I really don't want gays around. Any man that would compromise his own body would compromise anything. Um, I don't know. Based on one of the experiences I've seen, the gays are usually pretty good in the neighborhood, and they, I think they pay their bills. Anyway, he spoke. He sparked a lot of fury. Uh, not only was he, he, he won't serve you based on how you look, which I guess is his right as a business owner, uh, but he won't. If you're in a wheelchair, he won't serve you? That's funny. Uh, and, and not serving black people? That it, 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 How much business is this guy turning away? He must live in the the most lily-white place in the world. Well, this is why I love the Internet, because this story uh, went, went viral pretty quickly because people just couldn't believe that it still existed, a place like this. So what a lot of people have done... Uh, you know, the Internet can be used for a lot of bad things. You know, the Internet, you, you hear all stories of online bullying and such like that, and... and most internet comment sections or places you don't want to spend a lot of time. You can you can pound yourself in the head when you read some of the, especially the, you know the YouTube comments, how mind-numbingly stupid they are, and um, local news websites. Some of the comment sections there are just just chock full of of keyboard warriors who are out for blood. But in this case, I think the internet. This is a, a, an example of the power of the internet coming together because they've found this restaurant on Yelp, and some of the reviews have painted it as his diner is a gay bar. So they've taken the thing he has spoken out against the most and made it the thing that his restaurant's going to be known for. For instance, one of the first people... Um, what, what did they say? Oh, one review said that uh, Gary's, which is the name of the diner, is one of the best bars around. Gary himself sports assless chaps, a choker chain, and some pink nipple tassels daily. So this guy must be freaking out. On one hand, he, he gave himself a lot of publicity... None of it good. Uh, I'm sure he has a bunch of regulars in his restaurant who fully support Gary and support him his defending his ability to be racist in America. And But believe me, you have every right to be a racist asshole scumbag in 2014 in America. That is your right. Free speech guarantees you the right to be as big an asshole as you want as long as you don't hurt anybody with it. I think the only one this guy's hurting is his own bottom line because unless he lives in, a, in like I said, the town he lives in, which is Eden, Oklahoma, must not have a lot of non-white uh, homosexual people. Not to mention, if what if there's a guy in a wheelchair who's a, who's a white, you know, what if there's a Klan member who's in a wheelchair? Will you not serve him? Maybe that's an exception. I don't know. But uh, good good for the internet, and good on you, Gary, for, for um, 
you know, shining a light on your on your your stupidity because I think it's it's most people hide behind their their homophobic uh, racism and whatever other thing you are, but you own it, and that's that's what I love about you because now that the light's shining, we can all look and say you're an asshole, and the internet knows it, which means the world is responding as it should. So good on you, Gary. And if if I'm ever in needed Oklahoma, being that I'm a white male who's straight. I know you'll serve me some bacon and eggs, so uh, maybe I'll try to bring a couple of my non-white um, wheelchair-bound friends with me, and then we can have a little fun. So uh, thanks, Gary. We'll see you soon. Time for a new feature. Yes, a new feature. It's been a while since we've done some of the existing features, but uh, features are fun. I like features, and this one is one I think we can all relate to. Uh, it's called, Who, Who is, is the, the Bigger, bigger Douchebag? Douche That's right. Who's the Bigger Douchebag? This is the bathroom edition. Unfortunately, it seems a lot of things on this show, when I talk about human behavior, involves either gym, commuting, or bathroom. But those are three things I, I do almost on a daily basis. So uh, you see this a lot. Uh this category of douchebag, bigger, who's the bigger douchebag, involves two types of people who I encounter, you probably encounter them too, probably, I'm guessing more on the male side than the female side, but again, females, I don't know what you guys do in there. Um, your stories could be just as as ridiculous or as or wilder than, than whatever I'm coming up with here. But these are two types of guys who I've encountered in the men's room, public men's room, um, and I can't decide. I'm torn. Which I know they're both idiots. They're both douchebags. I can't decide which one's more of a douchebag. And that's why I'm looking to you for help. I want you to tell me which one you think is a bigger douchebag. The first guy is the guy who comes into the bathroom with his Bluetooth device attached to his ear and on. Not necessarily using it. Not necessarily in the midst of a call. Whatever. Strides up to the urinal. Bluetooth is on. But he's ready. He's ready at any moment to be able to take that phone call comes in, boom, he takes it. Why? He's just that important. He he can't take time out of his busy day, the, the 35 seconds it takes to go to the, to the men's room, piss, wash your hands, and leave. No, his time is too valuable. That's why it's in his ear. And if you're pissing next to the guy at the time, and he starts talking, well, I hope he's not talking to me. No, no, he's talking to his phone. He's talking to his Bluetooth because he's just so goddamn important. Okay, you got that visual. That guy exists. Or, his competition in this in this category is pretty stiff, by the way. The other guy is, now look, the guy who, in the stall now, takes, makes, or receives a phone call while shitting. Okay, look, we all use our smartphones in the toilet. I mean, it's... it's it's eliminated, it's probably saved acres and acres of forest land because I know guys who've done this, and I used to do this all the time. You'd print something out and bring it to the bathroom with you, or you'd bring a newspaper in there. You'd find newspapers strewn about the place, whatever. The smartphone, the advent of the smartphone has replaced all that. You just go in there, pop up your smartphone, you can start surfing the web, whatever you're doing while you're doing your business. Even if you're only in there five minutes, you've got a wealth of reading material on your little phone. It's, it's a brilliant time we're living in. But at no point, speaking personally, would I, if the phone rang, I'm not going to answer it. That's sort of like giving away your location. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of busy now. You know, and the whole world knows that there are other people in the bathroom can hear you making taking this phone call. It's awkward. It's stupid. Unless it's a phone call that is, is like that I know is from an emergency. Not, not even then. You know what? Let it go to voicemail. Get yourself out of there. But the worst are the guys who decide to whip out their phone and go, you know what? I'm going to call my wife right now. Hey, honey, how you doing? From the toilet. Finish taking your crap. Finish your business. Then get out. Make your phone call. To me, the the men's room is like that's the one zone where I don't think the outside world needs to penetrate. I can use my phone, like I said, to go access things on the outside world. But I don't think it's supposed to be a two-way street in there where I don't want people to know I'm in there. And I don't. I think that's the one time in if there's one time in in your life where it's a time to be inaccessible. That's it. Especially, you know, the urinal guy, how long are you going to be in there? You're in there pissing. You're in and out in literally less than, at best, 90 seconds. Guy in the stall, maybe a little longer. But take that time. That's, that's your time. That's me time. You know, use that time for yourself. Let the phone calls go away. Stay out of touch with the outside world. Because I got news for both of you assholes. Neither one of you is that important. Okay? So let it go. So, I need your help. Who is the bigger douchebag? I'm torn here. I can go either way. I gotta know which one's a bigger douchebag. So, help me out here. Thanks. Time for this week's party shot, where I recommend something I think is awesome. You know, one of the things I love about Twitter is um, picking up... I don't have a whole lot of followers, really, because I don't, I don't... A lot of people I know aren't on it, but whatever. For whatever reason... Occasionally, you just you get a notice that someone's following you, and you say, "Oh, that's cool. How did this person or persons find out about me?" And one day, I got a a, a notice that a, a, a something called Young Pandas was following me, and I'm like, "What the hell is Young Pandas? Is it a an exotic restaurant? Hope it isn't, because that's pretty gross." So I did a little digging. Turned out it's a band, and it's a local band to me anyway. It's it's a band from uh, from New England, and if you know me, if you listen if you listen to the show before, I've I've gone on and, and said several times. How much I like uh, early '70s soul music. I was kind of like weaned on that as a child. I mean, I, I heard stuff like Al Green and Curtis Mayfield and, and Stevie Wonder, and then you know, and even old Motown. All that stuff kind of weaved in and out of my life as a child. And it's sort of you know, when you hear things at that age, they stick with you and they become part of the foundation of maybe perhaps your your musical taste going forward. And uh, even though I moved on to other things like you know hardcore punk and whatever and and, and rap and I think that that foundation's always been there uh, like putting on Sly and the Family Stone and then turning my kids onto that music is also pretty cool because you can see how things uh, where they came from. But getting back to Young Pandas, uh, I decided to investigate this band a little bit and went to their site. And they describe themselves as as uh, modern day sort of soul musicians. They cite Prince and Bill Withers as influences and they sort of give it a modern sound. This is a change from their new EP which just came out a couple weeks ago called uh, Some Beasts. Like I said, pretty cool stuff, uh, and it's out now. You can get it on uh, iTunes. I don't think Amazon has it yet, but 
let's not worry about that. This is one time it'll allow you to go somewhere else besides besides uh, Amazon for your music. But uh, check out Young Pandas if you can. Uh, they're on Twitter at Young Pandas, and you can follow them at their site, WeAreYoungPandas.com. And by the way, I just want to understand that they they followed me, and I in turn followed them back. And for some reason, they stopped following me, and I wish I, I wish I knew why. So guys, if you're listening. Drop me a line. Let me know what happened. What did I do? What did I say? Hopefully, maybe me putting you in this podcast will get me back into your good graces. Anyway, enjoy the band. I would say check them out if you get a chance. And that's the show for this week. Remember, you can contact the show at uh, on Twitter at Bish24. Obviously, if you go to my site, jtbishop.blogspot.com, click the Amazon link, knock yourself out, buy yourself some trinkets, show me some love. And uh, you can also email the show if you have anything else you need to say. Xfiddle, E-X-F-I-D-D-L-E at gmail.com. I think that's about it. So, uh, hey, that's two shows down for 2014. According to my self-stated goal, that leaves me with 23 to go in the next 10 months and a couple weeks. So, uh, can I do it? Stick around and see. And if you like the show, tell a friend, subscribe through iTunes. I've rambled on long enough. Take care. Adios. Say that.